Welcome to Let's Talk Fleet Risk, a podcast for those who manage drivers and their vehicles and want to reduce road risk in their organisation. Welcome to the first podcast of 2022, and the Driving for Better Business campaign is focusing on loading issues this month, so I thought I'd ask Nina Day from the Health and Safety Executive to join me for this episode. Nina has worked for the HSC for 21 years. She's a chartered mechanical engineer and a dangerous goods safety advisor specialising in road and workplace transport. Hi, Nina. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you very much for inviting me on, and it is great to be here. Now, Nina, I know that safe loading is right at the top of the HSE's list when it comes to work-related road safety. Uh, Driving for Better Business, we look at all types of vehicles used for work, but often with a particular focus on commercial vehicles. Now, HGVs tend to be heavily regulated with traffic commissioners and driver CPC, but vans less so. What what regulations apply to each vehicle category in respect of load safety? Well, the regulations for load safety are the same regardless of the size of the vehicle. So it doesn't matter if it's a 44 ton HGV or if it's a passenger car, it's the same legislation. So we've got Section 40A of the Road Traffic Act, Regulation 100 of the Construction Use Regulations, and they both say that the load has to be secured to prevent someone being injured. There's also the workplace safety aspect, though. So if you're an employer, or you're a self-employed person whose work affects other people, which is going to cover a lot of people in the transport industry, then you have legal responsibilities under the Health and Safety at Work Act and other health and safety legislation to protect anyone who works for you and also anyone who could be at risk because of your work. So that that's quite wide ranging. These are two separate areas of law, but they do overlap quite a bit, the responsibilities do overlap quite a lot and as I say it is the same regardless of the size of the vehicle. Right so what sort of what what are the common problems that you see where um, fleet operators kind of get this wrong and and, and you see unsafe loads when those regulations have been ignored what, what kind of things do you see on the roads? I think one of the fundamental if not the fundamental problem I see where an incident's happened, which is usually a fatality or a serious injury when I've been involved in it, it's a lack of a risk assessment or the risk assessment is is so completely inadequate, it may as well have, have not existed. And that's something I've seen in the vast majority of load shift incidents that I've worked on over the last 15 years. Now, there are a lot of misconceptions about risk assessment and what you need to do, but it doesn't have to be something that's really bureaucratic and time consuming. Really, it's just thinking through what you do, what could go wrong and how you can stop someone getting hurt if it does go wrong. And HSE provides a lot of free guidance on risk assessment on our website because it is such a fundamental thing. If you haven't gone through that process if you haven't thought things through and the chances of everything else being right are actually quite low all the other issues that we see tend to follow on from not having the risk assessment right it's also a legal requirement so if you're an employer again if you're a self-employed person whose work affects other people you do need to have a risk assessment 
The other issues I see a lot are people using the wrong load securing for the load they're carrying. Um, load securing equipment that's either damaged or it's old and worn and it's no longer fit for purpose or not using enough load securing. Now, you don't have to use any specific method. It's up to you what you do. It depends on the loads that you're carrying and the vehicles that you're using. But whatever you do, you must secure the entire weight of the load forward and half the weight of the load to the sides and the rear. That is a minimum for normal driving on the road. And if you secure to that level, the load should stay where it is in an emergency stop. If you have to swerve to avoid a child running out in front of you, anything like that, the load should stay where it is. A big issue I'm seeing at the moment is open vehicles, whether that's for smaller drop sider type bodies up to HGV tippers, because people don't always appreciate that loads can move upwards as well as forwards, backwards and sideways. And when loads do move up, they can be thrown off the vehicle. Um, about five years ago now, a lady called Emma Beanie was killed when a piece of work equipment that weighed about 60 kilograms bounced out of a transit pickup and struck her as she and her husband were walking along the pavement. And that item should have been secured and it wasn't. It actually bounced up so high, it cleared the height of the sides and it came off the vehicle and unfortunately struck them. Only last year, a gentleman called Stephen Oscroft was killed when a chunk of stone that only weighed eight kilograms bounced off a vehicle and came through his car windscreen. He was out driving with his wife and their grandchildren in the back. He was killed instantly. As I say, that only weighed eight kilograms. No one sets out to kill anyone like that. I think one of the, the most difficult things I've ever read um, over the last 15 years of looking at load shift incidents was in a statement from a driver who'd been involved in an incident. And he started off by saying, I never set out to kill anyone. And that's the thing, people don't. No, no one sets out to do that. But if you're operating an open vehicle, you really do need to make sure that that load is properly sheeted, it's properly covered, big items are tied down so that they can't bounce out. Don't assume that the, the sides by themselves will stop the load from coming out. Now, I think the, the last point I want to make here is that when you're loading a vehicle, you've got to make sure that it's not overloaded. It's very easy to do particularly with vans, with the smaller vehicles, just be aware of what your vehicle is actually rated for and what you can actually put in it. Because when I'm out with the police and DVSA, I see a lot of overloaded vehicles. If you overload your vehicle, if you don't distribute the weight of the load evenly across the load bed, that will affect the handling of the vehicle. It might increase the braking distances or it could make it more likely to roll over. So it's really important to think carefully about how you load it and make sure that you're not overloading it. Brilliant. Can I can I just um, come back to you with, to dig in uh, a little bit deeper into a couple of those points? So we were just talking about um, items in the back of uh, of an, like an open back LCV or or a truck tipper truck or something that can can jump out. Uh, you know, you could go over either pothole or a speed bump or, or or anything i've seen that happen as well but one of the things we've quite often seen uh, come out of compliance checks is trucks where all the big stuff has been secured properly so plainly the people who've been securing the load know what they're doing and they've done all that bit correctly 
but then they kind of throw a few last minute items in at the back. So it could be a bucket of bolts. It could be a generator. It could be a shovel um, and kind of they know what they're doing, but they just haven't done it with those last bits. And I think one of the worst ones we saw was a couple of power saws with uncovered blades, which could obviously do some serious damage if they jumped out. So is that something you see where, you, you know, plainly the people who are securing the loads know what they're doing, but they just, they, they kind of just get it wrong at that last minute and throw a few bits in uh, and it's that attention to detail to make sure you've got everything secured absolutely and I, I think there is an assumption and, and I can completely understand where people are coming from with this that if something's very small it's it might not move and if it does come off well what's the danger but the reality is that it doesn't have to be a big item if it's flying off at 50 miles an hour it could very easily kill a pedestrian. It could kill a cyclist. It could come through somebody's windscreen and kill the driver. So it doesn't matter how big the item is. I mean, you're right. I, I see this all the time. The larger items will be secured really well. Um, I see this with plant equipment quite a lot on low loaders. The plant equipment itself will be secured fantastically. There's no issue there. But then any unused chains or straps will just be left on the load bed and there's nothing then to stop them coming off the side and going going into oncoming traffic and i actually um, helped a police force investigate a fatality where exactly that happened a chain slipped off the side um, went into oncoming traffic and killed the driver of an oncoming vehicle so it is whatever it is even if it's a really small light item you need to make sure that it can't come off if you have lots of small items, the easiest way to secure them, obviously, you're not going to put a ratchet strap over lots of little items, put them in a box, mm. put them in some kind of co covered container and strap that down. That's the easy way of doing it. Or just sheet the whole load bed. And yeah. then nothing can come bouncing out. Because if you think, you know, even a small item, once it's got some momentum behind it, can do some serious damage, can't it? So um, don't Absolutely. think it's a small yeah. item. Um, the other thing we were talking about was um, sort of weight distribution on the on the bed uh, of the truck or LCV and making sure it's all strapped down uh, properly. But what happens if you've got drivers who are doing multiple drops? So, you know, you could start the day with a load that, that where the centre of gravity is evenly spread across the axles and it's in the right place for, for height. But then as, as they make drops, you could end up with the centre of gravity moving too far over one axle or it becomes too high and there's a risk of overturning. What, do you see that? Absolutely. That, that's something that I've seen on many occasions. And I think very often drivers can be quite frustrated about exactly that because they know it's an issue. What I would say with that is that multi-drops are generally not unplanned. Com the companies involved know that it's going to happen. They know they're going to be delivering to multiple sites. And this really comes back to the risk assessment. At that stage, if you're a company and you're delivering to lots of different sites, part of your risk assessment should be, how are we going to make sure that the vehicle is safe once we start taking the load off or bits of the load off? And that might mean talking to the delivery sites and making arrangements for it to be rearranged for the driver. I think it can be quite frustrating for drivers. And I've, I've spoken to a lot of drivers um, at roadside checks who have brought up exactly this point 
it, it's left to them to try and negotiate with the site to get their vehicle reloaded. And sometimes that's refused because sites say, well, if we reload you, we're now taking responsibility for it, which is not from a legal perspective particularly accurate, but it, it is quite a pervasive issue, I think. And it's very difficult because then you've got a dangerous vehicle going back out onto the public highway. So I think it, it is the company responsibility when you load a vehicle, you know it's doing multi-drops, you need to think about how it's going to stay safe once parts of the load are coming off. So, so let's let's look at responsibility a little uh, a little more then. So, you know, typically if someone is driving a vehicle that's falling foul of of some road traffic regulation, you know, if you're overloaded or um, it shed, shed load or you know, even down to you know poor driving or vehicle maintenance, or whatever, you, your typical expectation is that the driver would carry the can for that. Um, but when we're talking about risk assessing a load, it, it, how much involvement does a driver have there? I've heard stories where the driver has no involvement in putting the load on. It's basically done for him and he gets in the cab and, driven, and has driven off, you know, or he's told to just go and do the drop. So if, if that sort of thing happens, where, where does responsibility lie for ensuring safe loads? Um, presumably it's across a number of people. It is a shared responsibility. Everybody in the transport chain has responsibility from the driver, the vehicle operator and whoever has actually put the load onto the vehicle, who we call the consigner. Now, from an HSE perspective, we would generally consider the consigner to be the primary duty holder. But everybody has some responsibility. Responsibility is not the same as culpability. Those are two different things. So while a driver may have some responsibility for the vehicle when it's on the road, you, you've already made this point, the driver is not necessarily culpable for the way that it's been loaded, the way that the load has been tied down or not. There can be really good reasons for keeping drivers away from loading. If it's one of you know, the really big, busy sites, you don't want drivers being run over by other vehicles or by forklift trucks. And part of the site right, risk assessment might be to keep that driver in a safe place in the lorry park or in a driver's waiting area. And that's fine. That's not a problem. But if that's the route that the site is going to go down, then they, they should be able to give the driver some assurance that the vehicle or the trailer has been loaded properly and that the load has been secured so that the driver is confident that they are going out with a safe load. In terms of enforcement, I think historically there perhaps was a temptation that it would all land on the driver, um, particularly at the roadside. That's not necessarily fair. The way that enforcement works now, it's very much if the driver is not felt to be culpable, the driver has not had the opportunity to make the load safe, the driver has not been involved in loading, then they will not get a fixed penalty ticket. They will not get points on their license. The vehicle may be prohibited from onward travel until it's made safe, but it will not come personally to the driver. And it's the same with an incident. I have to say in the 15 years that I've been looking at load shift incidents, I can think of one where the driver alone was culpable. One incident in 15 years, and that's out of a few hundred. So. Generally speaking, when you have a load shift incident, 
the culpability is actually somewhere else in the transport chain. And that's that's what we would look at as part of the investigation. So, so that would be the point at which maybe the, you or one of your colleagues from the health and safety executive would go and start an investigation into whether the other people within the business had done the appropriate risk assessment, whether the procedures were in place were correct for to ensure safe loading and all of that kind of stuff. There are different ways this can work. If something happens on the road, then the police have primacy for that. Um, they can ask us for help or they may do the investigation alone. The police will also look at other parties in the transport chain because that shared responsibility is in the Road Traffic Act. It's in Section 40A. It says the driver and anyone who causes or permits the vehicle to be on the road are responsible for its safety. So that's already in law for the police to look at that shared responsibility. Certainly, we do work with the police very closely um, on load security incidents. We can do a joint investigation. We can support their investigations. And that that does work quite well. Um, there, there was an incident um, earlier, back, back in 2021, I think it was May, uh, there was a video going around on uh, that had been released. And we, we did a blog on it at the time. There was a, a gentleman and his wife driving, uh, I think they were going out to lunch in his Tesla. And as he approached a right-hand bend, a truck came round the other way. It was a flatbed um, truck with a load of concrete blocks on it that uh, I think the driver of the truck obviously took the corner too fast. The concrete wasn't secured properly and it slid off the side onto the top of the car. And it was only the car's kind of safety structure that saved the driver and his uh, and his wife because it pretty much trashed the rest of the car. But that's presumably, I think you saw that um, clip at the time. That's a reasonable example of how loads can shift if they're not fitted on properly, I guess. I don't know whether anyone was found culpable of that. Um, I, I know the video and I think it surprised quite a few people because when loads move, they, de they do tend to move very, very suddenly. It can be quite difficult to imagine a heavy load of steel or concrete that had to be craned on or put on with a forklift ever coming off. When you're standing next to a parked up lorry looking at a load like that, you would never think that it would move as quickly and suddenly as this one did. But it does happen. I, I've seen it many times, unfortunately. I think these incidents often go under the radar a little bit and people aren't really aware that they're happening. They're not aware of the scale of it. These days, more and more people have dash cams. So we're seeing more footage of this kind of incident. Obviously, it's never good when it happens, but I think perhaps seeing the reality of it does raise awareness that these things do happen. And the potential consequences are horrendous of something like this moving. Yeah, and it, it really was quite staggering to watch that. We've got the clip on our uh, website. We've got a link to it. I think it was a BBC news story. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes. And if anyone who hasn't seen it, they can go and see just what a, a scary experience uh, that was. Um, just by coming back to one of the things you said earlier, I think one of the, the last points you mentioned about the common problems that you see was related to overloading. Now, I've, I've seen some quite comical pictures almost of, you know, vehicles that are so obviously overloaded that, you know, no one who saw that vehicle could possibly be in any doubt that it was overloaded. But, you know, I, I guess they're probably more the exception. But 
you do see a lot of vehicles as well where they're they're overloaded to a lesser extent and it's maybe not visibly obvious that the, the back isn't completely sort of on the ground but they're significantly overloaded that it's a big safety issue because it is harming the handling and braking characteristics of the vehicle as you said before what um what what sort of good practice should businesses be looking at to ensure they're not overloaded is it is it just a matter of training or is there anything else they can do I think one of, one of the key things with this is to be really sure of what your vehicle is rated for. And I know that that sounds a little bit silly, but it's something that does seem to pop up quite a lot at roadside checks. I have to say we don't or I don't see as much overloading with the heavy goods vehicles where we tend to see it is with the vans and the smaller pickup type bodies. And sometimes people either don't know what the vehicle is rated for or they've misunderstood what the vehicle is rated for. Um, to give you an example of that, um, I was out once with the police and a vehicle was brought in and it was a three and a half ton body. And the driver got out and said, it's fine, it's fine. It's not overloaded. It's rated for three and a half tons and I've only got three tons in the back. <laughs> and you know, th there's nothing malicious there or anything, you know, not deliberately trying to evade the law or anything like that. It's just a misunderstanding yeah. of what that rating actually means. So I, I think th that would be my key point there is just be aware of what your vehicle is actually rated for. It's not always obvious. So just just check what that's rated for under UK regulations. Um, check with a manufacturer if you need to look at what you're actually putting into it. I think with a van, and most people would probably do this, you've got a van, you've got a cube of space, the temptation is to try and get as much in there as you possibly can because you have this space. So just be aware of what's actually going in there and what that weight is because it's very easy to go, to go over, to overload it. And the fines for overloading can add up quite quickly. Well, it's interesting when you were just talking about vans now, because I know one of the conversations I've had a number of times with uh, re relating to sort of multi-drop couriers and home delivery services is that with everybody kind of working from home and, and not going out socialising, typically people are, are ordering a lot more alcohol, for instance, and wine and beers and, and stuff to drink at home. And so a lot of the couriers are finding that they're delivering that to homes where previously it would have been, you know, less heavy cardboard boxes with, with various bits in that people have ordered online. They're now carrying a lot of liquid, which is far heavier than they used to for a, a sort of a given sized box. So uh, we've heard stories of, of that kind of thing where there's lots of um, overloaded vans because they think I've got a van, it's got that much space, I can fill the space, but actually they're finding what's going in the space is now a lot heavier than it might've been a couple of years ago. Absolutely. And I think, you know, this comes back again to the idea that it's not just on the driver here. If you're a business that is sending out goods for delivery to home addresses and they're exactly that, they're now heavier loads than they might have been a couple of years ago, you might need to revisit your systems, your risk assessment, actually. Can we do the same route? Do we have to change things a little bit? And that's the key thing with risk assessment. It's not something that you do once and never look at it again. It's a constant process because things do change. You know, as we've seen with the pandemic, people are now working at home more. They're ordering more things online. 
things are changing and businesses need to change to make sure that actually they're not straying into territory that's putting people at risk. You, you mentioned earlier about the guy with the van who uh, three and a half ton van and he put three tons in the back. And that's, um, you know, I, I kind of laughed at the time, but it, because it's such an extreme example, but it really is such a safety critical error that because it, it, it makes such an impact to the to the how the vehicle is going to going to handle. One of the things um, I, I've I've become aware of is in the vehicle recovery market where people are put, there are companies sort of recovering vehicles because people haven't paid their loans or, or whatever and recovering them on a on the back of a three and a half ton lcv rather than um a larger vehicle now the the payload on one of those i, I think is probably around about a ton if, if that so there's very few cars you know very tiny super mini you could put on the back of a uh, a three and a half ton flatbed yet you hear stories of people with larger vehicles on. So that could easily be one, two, three, you know, a couple of tonnes overweight if they're doing that. Well, what's the impact of someone doing that? And, and what would be, I don't know, the like, you know, the, what are the likely consequences in terms of not just an incident, but the maybe an investigation afterwards? Can you can you talk about that? If if an incident did happen, and it's happened because of the way that the vehicle is loaded, if it's happened on the road, the police will take the lead in investigating that. Um, and they may involve HSE or a local authority to look at um, the management system side of it. If it happens in a workplace, then either we or a local authority would investigate. In any incident, um, any load-related incident, the general approach would be to look at every party in the transport chain. Who has done what? What are the arrangements? Have people thought about what they're doing? Um, it, just to go back to what I said earlier about risk assessment, often people assume that they need to produce a lot of paperwork. There needs to be certain things and it's very much a box ticking exercise. You don't necessarily need to. You need a common sense system in your business to manage safety and that's what we're looking for. Um, so the best case scenario in an incident is that you are able to produce your system and evidence of your system. We have done our bit in the transport chain. Um, unfortunately, the incidents that I've been involved in, that very often hasn't happened. It's come out afterwards that there really is no system and there's been a great reliance on the drivers making the best of things and doing the best they can. Um, and drivers do, and, and often they make a reasonable job of it and they keep things running for a long time, but it doesn't mean that the system is fundamentally safe. And that's what we would be looking for. So when you talk about the transport chain, does that include subcontractors for instance so what, what about if um there's an incident with a vehicle and the vehicle operator owner and operator themselves have fallen foul of some of the things that we've been talking about today but that that transport movement was maybe commissioned by a client and the client hasn't checked to see um whether the subcontractor they're using has got policies and procedures and the knowledge to do all this does it does there does the client who's commissioned that have any culpability i think it, it's fair to say that no two incidents are the same so it does very much depend 
on the exact setup and who is felt to be in control of the transport operation. Um, and, and I'm sorry, I can't give you a nice black and white answer on that because it is very, very individual to the incident and the actual transport arrangements that were in place. It may be that you have a company involved who are the controlling mind, if you like, and who are directing how things are done, but are not directly involved in the transport themselves. And that's something that would come out in the investigation. That's something that we would explore and look at who does what, how have things been managed, what has the communication been? Because there is a duty under health and safety law to cooperate and communicate with other companies that you are working with, that you're in the same workspace with. So that that is something that we would look at. Culpability was maybe the wrong word. I think probably responsibility was the word I was looking for. So they would have a responsibility to to be involved and ensure any subcontractors knew how to do this this, this properly um, and ensure they're using competent people. Indeed. And again, that's an ongoing process. You know, don't just assume that what was OK 10 years ago is still OK now because times change. Technology changes. It may be there's a better way of doing things. I know since I started looking at load security 15 years ago, a lot of new equipment has come onto the market. New types of trailer have come onto the market. It's worth looking around, getting the advice and looking at your systems. Actually, is there a better way that you can do things? Yeah. Well, um, what, what sort of resources are available to um, employers and fleet operators to, to ensure that their staff know what they're doing with this and that they understand what their responsibilities are for, for checking loads and risk assessing and all of the things that we've spoken about? I mentioned the HSE website earlier. We have a lot of resources on things like risk assessment, on managing your business for safety. We also have a lot of resource on workplace transport, on load security, on looking after visiting drivers. We have specific workplace transport guidance that is all free to access. Um, you can also ask us a question directly. I know sometimes people are quite nervous about contacting HSE because they think they're going to end up on a list for inspection or something like that. And I have to say that's not true at all. You can ask us a question. You can go on the website. There's a little form you can fill in or you can ring us up. It only takes a few minutes and we will answer your question. You will not end up on a list for inspection just because you've asked us a question. Mm. You can get um, guidance on load security from DVSA. It's on the Gov UK site. Um, there is older DFT guidance, safety of loads on vehicles. Those are both free to access, free to download. You can also get um, some really good advice from national highways particularly for the open bodies, um, the smaller pickup type bodies. They have a really good leaflet um, on how to load those safely. Um, but it's also worth getting in touch with industry associations. If you're a member of an industry association, they will very often have their own resources. If you're in a union, speak to the union. Um, I will say for drivers, if you have a concern about the way things are being done, if you're in a union, speak to your union rep. If you're not, you can come to HSE directly. You can raise a concern with us. If there's something that you think is dangerous, it's putting you or other people at risk. And we do look at those concerns and we do act on them. Nina, that's fantastic. Thank you. And all of those resources that you've listed, we will put links to those in the show notes. 
so if you want to download any of those, uh, we've got signposts on the Driving for Better Business website to help you uh, access and download all of those resources. Nina, that's been a fascinating discussion. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, really appreciate it. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. If you manage drivers and their vehicles and you face similar issues to those discussed in this podcast, there are links in the show notes to some useful resources on the Driving for Better Business website, and these are all free to access. If you enjoyed the conversation, please don't forget to hit subscribe so you know when the next episode is released, and please also give us a five-star review as this helps us to get up the podcast rankings and makes it more visible to others who might also find it useful. You can follow us, that's Driving for Better Business, on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn. And most importantly, please help us to spread the word. All our resources are free for those who manage fleets and their employees who drive for work. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk Fleet Risk and I look forward to welcoming you to the next episode. Brought to you by Driving for Better Business.